go back to where? Alright, cool. I could me personally, I have family back in Jamaica. I could go there, but I never grew up there. I was born in Britain, bro. I was born in the UK. London, born and bred. <laughs> I'm a Londoner then I'm British. Wouldn't ever say I'm English, but you know, that's another discussion. And welcome to CTMC's Girls Who Trust About Podcast. I'm Zed. And I'm Ali. We are two women of colour who tell stories. We also talk about current events and issues facing people in today's society. Enjoy this episode. Hi guys, um, you're about to listen to a collection of perspectives about race. This is episode two of the trilogy, so I hope you enjoy and learn something from all the perspectives expressed in this episode, and be sure to check out episode three when released. Thanks. Hey, what's good? Can't touch my crown podcast. Um, Name is Hendrix, host of the No Silicon podcast. Um, Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having my voice. Yeah, I mean, in terms of who I am or what I do, you feel me? I mean, I'm a content producer, um, quote unquote, influencer. Um, I host a podcast. Like I said, No Silicon podcast. And um, the themes of the podcast are about self-improvement, self-empowerment, education, enlightenment, and thinking outside the box for everyone. You feel me? Getting people to think for themselves. Yeah, in terms of my Black Lives Matters experience and my commitment or my influence on the movement, I think I talk more about what I'm trying to do for it as opposed to my positive or negative experiences within it. Um, in terms of being a black dude. Yeah, so most of the stuff I do right now, it's about getting or gathering people together and I guess educating people. So what I do at the moment is I have discussions, open platform discussions, debates and interviews with influential people in our community. Um, I have conversations with people that I feel have an interesting perspective on things and people that think a little bit left. Um currently on my platform i've been talking to people about you know the thoughts on protesting the thoughts on riots the thoughts on looting and i've been reposting quotes and interviews from people like maya angelou malcolm x martin luther king marcus garvey um james baldwin and a lot of those quotes and a lot of these interviews that i'm having are bringing out concepts of thinking and um, trails of thought that look at our current environment and kind of give a commentary on it, but from a perspective of what can we do better? What's the best way to empower ourselves as black people? What's the best way to, I guess, approach authority without making things worse? What's the best way to instill change, right? Through um, socioeconomic factors, through education, through, um, through workspaces, through entertainment. And so I believe that's my, well, my hope is that these conversations and these ideas and theories and concepts can feed into the public aka the civilian the average joe the children the mother the child and we can start thinking a little bit differently and we can start thinking about how we can actually fix problems as opposed to just reacting and responding emotionally you know so these conversations propose things like active working and active participation in in your in your community you know, I just recently had a conversation with a guy called Slider Cuts, Mark MacGyver, who plays an active role in the black community. And he talks about things like 
giving people um, early working schemes. So taking children off the streets and giving them jobs in this barbershop whereby they can sweep, learn to cut hair, basic apprenticeships, etc., and they get paid for it. And that's about empowering your youth. So by the time they get into working age or adulthood, they've already learned things like independence. They've already learned things like um, how to how to gain capital. They've already learned things about business and economy, right? And we also talk about showing people how to apply for, for jobs, showing people how to apply for funding, how to apply for grants, etc. And so things like that, right? So the idea is to bring people together that have those kind of mindsets and to pour those thoughts and theories into our youth, into our people, so that we don't approach things the same way we've always approached them. My mentality at this point in time, considering everything that's happening, is these things are repeated, right? The, the protesting, the police, br- the police brutality, the responses, the aggravation, everything has been happening for years and decades, right? But then, as, as we all know, the, the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing and expecting a different result. So everything that I've been doing right now has been kind of focused on how do we get a different result? How do we change not just the mindsets, but also the behaviors of us and the quote-unquote oppressors? And, you know, I've just been encouraging that kind of outward thinking, you know, and within um, within my personal relationships with my friends and my family, it's been the same thing. It's been about <clears throat> what is the solutions? What are the solutions? What are the next steps? You know, what can we do? And for me, it's always been about coming together and making sure people are on, on the same mindset. I push teachings of people like Akala right now, who has a prominent voice in our in our community, right? He, he's, he's unique in the sense that he can relate to both, I guess, the, um, the Western world, um, the middle class, the upper class, and the lower classes, and the urban world, quote unquote, right? He is someone that has an active voice in the community. I mean, he'll speak in places like Cambridge, Oxford, um, Harvard universities, UCL, across the world, the top universities side by side with the, with the top professors. And I push that kind of thinking, those kind of behaviors, <clears throat> that kind of education, because it allows you to ask the questions, what, what have we been doing wrong? What have they been doing wrong? Not only ask those questions, but also allows you to compare what's happened in the past to today and find solutions. Have discussions with the people that, you know, for some reason, <clears throat> a lot of us cannot actually reach in our day-to-day lives. But people like that have the, have the, have the voice for us. They represent us. They have the knowledge. So... It's always about pushing people to gain that kind of knowledge and to gain that kind of representation in our society. We want our society to have maybe a hundred Akalas versus a hundred trappers or rappers or criminals, you know? And I believe that's the drive and that's the that's the, the direction that we should all be going to in order to change, you know, things in businesses, change things in entertainment, change things in, in food industries, change things in sports industries, etc. Is that changing people's minds? And, um, and it's like, it's like a plant, right? That's the root of everything, right? If the, if the root is poisoned, then the rest of the plant becomes poison. And the only way to fix that plant is by cutting it off. And no one has that totalitarian, um, approach to things right now. It's not, it's not conducive. It's inhumane to believe the only way to, 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 to fix things is to cancel everything and start from scratch. No, this isn't Thanos. This isn't a, a, a comic. This isn't the Avengers. You get what I'm saying? So the best way to do things is to work on the people that exist right now in terms of mentality and ensure that we're educating 
the future generation. So when your kids are coming out, you're already reading them books from certain others. You're, you're already reading things like Dostoevsky. You're already reading things like Natives. You're already reading things like, you know, Alchemist, uh, Pablo Coelho, etc. That you're already reading things that already change these kids' minds. You're introducing them to things like astrophysics <clears throat> really early. You're introducing them to things like yoga and cultural thinking so early. You get what I'm saying? There's a book called The Mythical Man Month by, um, I think it was Addison Wesley. And it's just the, the, the change in your mind. Things like Veda, the art of yoga, the, the, the art of um, altruism, you know? Those are the things that you know I'm trying to encourage and trying to push to our, our young people and our our older generation as well. So my two cents for the Black Lives Matter movement in conclusion is furthering people's education beyond what they learn in schools and then finding action plans within our communities to better ourselves as a people, which can also leak out and feed the rest of our society, not just our people and everyone else. It becomes a domino effect. We know better, we do better, and this pushes society and um, community into one way thinking, or into the best way of thinking for everyone, right? So um, that's my two cents. So um, yeah, I mean, thanks for having my voice on. Um, I'll be listening to this podcast, and I'm looking forward to the things that you guys are doing, and hopefully I'll have you guys on mine, and I'll be able to come on yours at one point as well. Um, love, guys. Um, feeling Hendrix at No Silicon Podcast. Peace. everyone this is Monique and this is Opeksha and we are the co-founders of Them Power based in Australia at Melbourne um we're both 19 years old um and we just want to add in our two cents about the Black Lives Matter movement um and the first point like that we want to make is brown isn't the new black you know like just because we are brown or like South Asian doesn't mean that we're automatic allies to the black community. And even if some people think that, I'm going to ask them, like, why do you think that if you continue to appropriate black culture and abuse the N-word? You know, like I know a lot of like South Asian people my age that think it's okay to say the N-word, but it's not because you haven't suffered through the same abuse and um, the same history that they have in order to have the right to say the N-word, you know? And that's not the only problem, but I'm just saying, like, brown isn't the new black, and in order for us to be allies and, you know, help the black community, we need to understand and not appropriate their culture and, you know, educate ourselves, you know? And I think um, brown culture, especially, like, the generation of our parents um, or, like, older, viewing lighter skin as better or superior um, feeds into the whole idea of... Um, or feeds into um, us or people from the brown community looking down upon um, people from the black community Um, and it feeds into the whole um, like culture of um, black black people or black community being um, inferior Um, and in addition to that i think we also owe it to the black community and the black people because if it wasn't for the civil rights movement in 1965 in america then um discriminatory immigration policies would, would have taken much longer um to be recognized um and 
it is very possible and I think um, we don't realize this and we're not thankful for this enough that um, if it wasn't for the civil rights movement then a lot of brown people wouldn't have been able to immigrate to western countries like America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, UK, you name it um, and have a better lifestyles for themselves and their families. So I think um, in order to in order to um, appreciate what the black community has done for immigrants um, because I know my parents were immigrants I think the least we could do is not um, appropriate black culture and just honestly just like educate ourselves and just be more wary and understanding and empathetic because like even though you know the black lives movement trend might be over on instagram i mean on social media like doesn't mean that we stop educating and advocating and signing petitions and just being like wary of like what's going on around the world and you know just like trying to overthrow this very like racial discrimination discriminatory like behavior that's like entrenched in our world you know like just because this trend is over this hashtag is over doesn't mean that we stop mm-hmm. yep absolutely love that idea um and i 100 percent agree this is not the end of um of the journey clearly we have a long way to go um and i think george floyd's um murder made us realize that race racism is still part of our culture part of our lifestyle um, and part of you know especially for the black community so i think we should use this opportunity to start a journey towards a more equal society um and please you know like you should never just do it in your own way you don't have to make big never feel that your small action isn't doing anything treating your black friends equally not using the n-word um you know not viewing white skin superior to skin of color darker skin these are all changes that we need um and they're all effective in their own ways so whatever action you make just make sure you embrace equality in all of your actions I'm George um, and I am currently a student advisor. Yeah, I graduated two years ago. I'm black, I'm a woman and I think the Black Lives Matter movement is um, it's not really that complicated but it does have a lot of different factors that need to be taken into account. So. I think of course obviously it sparked off in the states right but it covers issues that um affect black people around the world and um across all the diasporas so you know it's not surprising that it's spread out as far as it has so obviously i can or i say obviously it's obvious to me my mum is um an american citizen she's half american so i have insight into the a bit more insight into the american side of things probably more so than the average british person would um so i can say wholeheartedly of course police brutality is a massive factor but it's it's really only the trigger it was only the catalyst for these things because it is so so much deeper than that you're trying to you know collate 400 years of straight brutality and oppression and then the following century 
of Jim Crow and um, you know de facto de jure rules that weren't just in the states but you know here in the UK as well so um, Black Lives Matter probably for me it's about leveling the playing field and kind of getting what we're owed in fact you know a lot of people think it's a a supremacy thing you know it's just against white supremacy and yeah that's again a big factor of it but um there's there's so much more to it all right so black lives matter um you know you have this this whole ongoing thing with no but it's all lives matter and then you know versus black lives matter and really it's a stupid conversation that any freaking idiot should be able to understand but here we are so um let me give you my stance on Maoris. First of all, if you keep saying all lives matter when it's been explained a hundred times over, you're a dickhead. But um, sorry, it's not PG. If you need to like beat that out, go for it. Um, <laughs> um, you know, in as simple freaking terms as possible. Oh, rather, how? All right, tell me this: How can all lives matter when it's very, very obvious and clear that Black lives don't matter as things stand at the minute? How is how is that possible? It's not so you know we have very clear evidence that black lives don't matter in the eyes of um for lack of better words the system you know you're you start off underhanded you go through life having to work and every black person will tell you this for free that they know this and i'm sure other people of color's family might tell them this as well but i know for a fact that black people hear this you have to work 10 times harder just to get you know the same opportunities as your white counterparts you know it doesn't matter where you went to school who you know or whatever you have to be 10 times better just to get the same opportunities black lives matter is you know yeah for one stop killing us <laughs> like why does that even have to be said stop killing us stop over policing us but also it's the you know both the systemic and the systematic oppression of black people you know the media that we we've been fed since we were children is it's indoctrinated all of us so deeply to fear hate and deride anything black you know that's why you have these massive movements of you know black girl magic and black pride and you know your black is beautiful and love the skin you're in and that, oh wait that's a double one isn't it? never mind but whatever you know what i mean it's like you know you have to unlearn years of indoctrination of things telling you the very opposite of that is just again one factor of this whole issue how can you respect love cherish and have the best interest at heart for a person when you're taught from your very infancy childhood developmental stages adolescence in adulthood that it's not worth loving it's not worth cherishing it's not worth looking after it's not worth giving a damn about so i guess for me um black lives matter in particular is just it's it's kind of you know breaking this down and and blowing it out to the open because you can say what you want and i don't i don't i don't buy this you know we're victims and have a chip on our shoulder or whatever because how can you say i have a chip on my shoulder when (laughs) it's, it's it's just stats and facts that you know as a black woman I'm more likely to die just giving birth to a child you know if I were to give birth to a child it's you know as a black person I'm more likely to be you know not given the benefit of the doubt stopped by the police die in police custody you know I'm I'm less likely to be able to 
to get ahead to get through my education you know social economic backgrounds aside even if you manage to you know claw your way through all of the hurdles and the traps you then got to deal with you know unconscious bias and then conscious bias and then you know working in workplaces that are primarily white spaces or uh working in spaces that you know the higher you get the less you see people that look like you the less you see people that for you know might have your best interest at heart how can you live in a world where you're just constantly at the bottom of the barrel so it's, it's difficult because you're only going to get people saying oh if you don't like it you know why are you staying here and it's like well bruv where are you meant to go i can't travel back in time and undo the slave trade go back to where all right cool i could me personally i have family back in jamaica i could go there but i never grew up there i was born in britain bro i was born in the uk london born and bred <laughs> i'm a londoner then i'm british wouldn't ever say i'm english but you know that's another discussion so black lives matter is basically making trying to level the playing field you know as long as i live here as a citizen i have the right to be protected by the systems that exist here to protect the citizens you know i have a right to have representation i have a right to not fear for my life it's i don't see why it's got to be so complicated what is wrong with that i could say so much more but it's just there's also a bit of me that's just like the ones who want to hear are going to listen and the ones that don't aren't and basically what will happen will happen all right my name is uh k I just want to give my opinion about um, all that's been happening around the world currently. I think the biggest thing that I feel is, well, there's a couple of different emotions, but um, part of it is sadness. Um, I'm sad that it has to get to this point for all of this to be heard. Um, I'm sad that there are people that still can't see or choose not to see the injustice that's happening or that has been happening for generations. You know, I'm sad that it took, you know, the pandemic uh, to remove all our distractions and it took, you know, a horrible and unjustifiable act to rally the masses to actually um, shout it louder about all the craziness been happening for generations. Um, I'm worried what will happen after the pandemic uh, when life starts up again. You know, we will still keep up the same energy when they have all these things to distract them with. You know, with their jobs, with entertainment, all the um, everything that you know people dealt with back in the day before the pandemic. I'm a teacher, and I'm I'm genuinely worried about you know the future as it as a lot isn't being taught about the history of how things got to the uh, to the state that it currently is. Um, so much is not being taught about how different groups of people have been affected by the government, about different groups of people. You know, and like it, 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 a lot of it is not um, in the curriculum. There's so much knowledge that's been lost. There's so, so much that's been lost, or just not been uh, retold. Um, but the ir- ironic thing about it is, you know, how some people um, say that tearing down statues is erasing history. I find that funny because look what's being taught in schools. They've already been raising history or omitting history. A lot of it is just not being taught. Um, 
I'm happy things are now moving, you know, like, I'm not just sad, I'm, I'm happy things are moving, it's just a bad situation that got us to this point to actually do something about it or make noise about it, so yeah, I'm happy that things are now moving, ultimately I can't say in what direction it's actually going, you know, only time will tell, because I, I can see that the movement is happening, I'm seeing that people are rallying up, people are learning more about our history, learning more about how things have gone to this point, um, but, you know, uh, I don't know what will happen after the pandemic, I don't know what happened when everything calms down, um, I want things to, to happen uh, beyond this, because right now we're at the height of awareness, you know, I'm happy to see so many people fighting for the same thing, not police versus black, or white versus black, but just right versus wrong, you know, like, it's not about, you know, uh, anything except for right versus wrong I, I see some people like thinking it's just about race and race is part of it but the reason why i'm saying it's right versus wrong is because we know this is the wrong thing we know a lot of things that have happened are wrong like all the injustices it's wrong but then people will say oh they're, they're, they're ignorant or like oh this doesn't exist oh all lives matter and so on and so forth where have you been like how can you not see the injustice it's as if because it's a black skin you know people are blind to it so it becomes a race thing why can't you see the wrong in it um so yeah it's ultimately right versus wrong but unfortunately it's covered by the black filter you know with all this awareness and information the question is now what you know how, how do we undo generations of injustice how do we change the minds and hearts of the ill-informed because that's that's ultimately what it is like a lot of people just either don't know they're using what they think they know um, people are led by their environment if they don't see an issue and they hear people complaining i don't know if it's laziness or ignorance people are not trying to find out okay why are these group of people angry or why are they upset about something instead you see a lot of the opposite like oh you're upset I can't relate to it so therefore you must be wrong uh, and you see a lot of people push back on the idea but you know I'm not discounting the multitude of people that are actually involved in this a lot of people are uh, fighting for the same thing you know um, and, and I don't want to create enemies I don't I don't want to create enemies like just because someone has been you know horrible or you know racist or have been part of the problem ultimately what i want is that i'd rather create thinkers than create enemies i want people to think more about okay the people around you people that are similar to you not just in age but you know that grew up similar to you in the same nation and everything right i'm not just gonna like all right cool they're racist therefore it's them versus us no the ultimate goal is for everyone to be on the same page which means people might need to apologize and say, okay, I didn't see it like that, so I'm going to change my mindset to be more, um, uh, to, to understand the situation, to help overcome this, to make sure people understand that, you know, it it's not equal right now, right? I don't want enemies. Uh, th th that's the thing. I don't want enemies. I just want people to come together and be on the same page of what is right and wrong. Because I've seen a lot of reports of viral celebrities coming out um, from their deepest past being, you know, racist or they've done horrible things. Okay, 
and you know they should be penalized for that what then after we've punched them or ridiculed them or let them know that what they did was wrong ultimately what we want is for them to learn same thing with all these protesters the anti uh, black Lives matter matter protest and all that if all of them can change their mind and be like you know what this is bloody stupid let's actually do what's right let's actually see what is the right and wrong thing to do that is my ultimate goal i want that to happen so yeah let's use this energy in the present you know to get educated about our past so we can move into the future we deserve you know if we if we can't you know come up with ideas for how we can move past this it's gonna end up in you know the regular news cycle where things just come and go and then the same thing happens again again the the tragedy that is happening around the world will keep happening again and again you know let's come up with better ideas using our intelligence using our um influence using our um our power and yeah i think that's when things will get a bit better I, I don't want people to become more closeted with their with their with their racism or or prejudice because right now if anyone was to speak up about even like high profile people to speak up about you know any racial tendencies they, they're just going to get written off and what I don't want is for them to just shy away and even and hide their, their racism even more because all that will do is create just more closeted racists and that's what we want we want to change their mind let's try and find a way to convey ourselves um so that people will understand so everyone gets onto the same page this ain't gonna happen overnight we know it's gonna take a very long time but you know it's worth it um nothing changes overnight so I'm, i'm 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 hopeful that after a few more years of you know keeping everything on the forefront making sure everyone understands you know what we're trying to do um things will change it won't be perfect it won't be complete you know it's been hundreds of years since it was over, well thousands of years where craziness have happened um but there's always still sparks and little elements of um those problems so yeah um that's me and this this might be a generalization but actually a lot of people um do find that pakistanis are quite racist and um yeah, it makes me sad man it makes me sad and i was speaking to one of my bengali friends about this actually because you know south asian community similar kind of thing like similar cultures and stuff and um and he was telling me as well how mad he was getting at people just like being so ignorant so dumb um to these facts and he was just like you know maybe it's the fact that we were born in south london but i was like (laughs) but it can't be like is that the only reason because you know black people that's why you're fighting for their rights (laughs) that's mad basically i i recently watched this netflix documentary it was quite big when it came out called when they see us and um it's about the the central park five as they were known as and these uh this group of teenage boys who were wrongfully accused of a crime that they never committed and um one of them who was 
16 years old and the saddest part is he only went because his friend was in trouble so he walked willingly like literally gave himself up to the police the fact that he was 16 meant that he went to adult prison like not even juvie so all of the rest of them were in juvie and he was out there in adult prison getting beaten up by grown men and um just being labeled as a rapist and shit like that so it was actually so mad and the worst thing is he um, he did most of his sentence um it must have got to 13 years later and then someone finally admitted the crime some guy that he had had an encounter with suddenly found god and decided to come out and and then took the took the yeah took the blame for the case and it was him it was a lone attack and it was that guy and and the teenagers had nothing to do with it they didn't even know each other you're 15 years old and you're getting bullied by the police and you're stuck in this system where the judge the attorneys like no no one else is willing to help you no one's willing to help you and you're just stuck in this prison now but and this is just your life like it just makes me so mad and angry and sad but like this is kind of like i was watching so so i was like i really loved it like it was such a good documentary it's really like it's really quite inspiring like she's a really good director and stuff um and then i was watching there like afterwards on like oprah and like some of their radio sets and um one of the guys yusuf he actually studied a phd so he's a doctor now um but he is now a motivational speaker and he was talking about um you know when they look at us they just think people in general as well because you're so like in a sense brainwashed um like imagine you're always seeing when remember we're talking about like statistically where like glaswegians are like the most vicious and whatever all we're seeing on the news is a certain type of people young in gangs this that and the other so it's going to make you associate and essentially demonize um this is the worst thing okay because uh this happens a lot and i feel like people are really like silly when they it's almost like childish when they when they have to demonize another group uh he was saying like they look at us and they just immediately like yeah he's a rapist yeah he's a you know he he could commit a crime yeah he could do he could do that whereas like actually none of them were like that they'd never like one of them was 14 years old like i don't even think some of them understood the concept of rape so um so yeah it was really really sad like seeing how their innocence was just taken away from them straight away I don't really have much to say about it. I'm just, I mean, it was good to see people coming out about a cause that, you know, is very, uh, has a ma- massive impact on my life. But I think it probably get more value hearing about my experience in general has been outside these events. Because this isn't anything new to me. This is like just something I've been banging on about for a long time. And now, you know, 
everyone's eyes are on it, which is good, but at the same time, it means everything's hyper-concentrated, and that can have an effect. You know, the fact that everything's hyper-concentrated can have an effect or a detrimental effect on your mental health, just your general well-being. So it's been it's been odd it's been an odd period but there are lots of positives to take from this you know it's bringing certain things to the surface not too long ago I wrote about how this country kind of sweeps racism under the carpet and tries to hide it and pretend it doesn't exist and disguise it and dress it up but now it's being forced to come out you know we've got edl people on the street like screaming their head off and people it's becoming harder and harder to deny the fact that you know we live in a racist world or a racist country um, and to share one of my experiences in the workplace so I was working for a cryptocurrency exchange yeah. and it was also a I also working in Forex and Forex exchange quite a popular one and I was the only black guy in the office I was the only black person in the office I was the only non-white person in the office, yeah, and, um, I mean, it was cool, there was always, there's always that, you know, underlying sort of, you know, you're the only one sort of feeling, but you kind of get used to it, especially working in the city, but one thing that kind of highlighted it was, you know, one Christmas within Secret Santa, I had my person to pick, everybody had their person to pick, and da 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 and by the end of it, when we were exchanging presents, everybody got their present except for me. And I was just there, like, to be honest, I wasn't even that bothered. I was just like, oh, this is kind of funny. I'm the only black guy. I'm the only one not getting a present. Okay, that's cool. And I just went back and sat by my desk. If it wasn't for um, a lady who doesn't even work with me, who noticed, she felt really bad. So she went out and just quickly got me something from the shop. But I would have just not got anything. And we can just, you know, to say it was a coincidence. I was the only black guy and I was the only person that didn't get present for no reason when everybody was there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's just something that really highlighted it. It puts it back into concern. Oh yeah, shit, I'm black and this everyone's white. And there's this cultural tension. Also in a different workplace, I used to work with this guy who was kind of older. I guess he was like in his 60s. Um, and I don't know how this came up, but somehow the N-word came into a conversation and he was saying, talking about how, he was like, oh, I've, you know what, I've never actually heard that word being used negatively any time I hear it, you know, like in songs and stuff. It's fucking, um, it's been used, like, not as an insult and da 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 so I don't understand a big deal about it. And I had to say something, because usually, you know, kind of try and ignore this shit, but... I, had to, I was like, well, why the fuck would you have heard it being used negatively? No one's going to come up to you and call you a nigger. Like, you're an old white man. Like, it's not going to be used in that context around you like that. Uh, well, it's not likely anyway. But, um, yeah, that kind of put him in his place. He was... But to wrap up, ultimately, I feel like the things that have happened over the last few weeks there'll be some positive shit that comes out of it it's going to be some negative things as always but we'll try and focus on the positive things more and hopefully move forward and make things better for everyone and other people 
Hello, this is Zed, one of your hosts of the CTMC podcast. Episode one, you heard our other co-host, Ali, say her words, and this is the time I'd like to say mine, but I will keep it short and sweet. Being a member of the South Asian community, um, being an ethnic minority in Britain, racism, prejudice, experiences of uh, racial divide or segregation or just feeling different and exotic in a place that I grew up has always been a conversation point but this is a completely different matter in terms of what's happening now in 2020 during a worldwide pandemic we're also still facing issues that have always existed and yes historically we've been chipping away and what ultimately we like to think we're fixing the problem but the underlying prejudices that people have and the inherent racism the systemic racism it's been there and it's not going away and I think it's just been magnified significantly because of a built-up frustration and resentment and all the class divides are becoming even more apparent during this time of great struggle when we are facing an enemy a a common enemy across the world and it's it's honestly quite depressing um and i've got to say my own perspectives of race racism has changed a lot because for example uh you know at first i was very very me and ali had a discussion ourselves actually before prior to recording uh, these voice notes for this uh, mini-series and I was very much for the, you know, pulling down of these racist statues and Ali had a point in that. Well, actually, you know, pulling down the statues is one thing, but what's the long-term goal? What's the point? And I was like, no, it's the symbolism. It's absolutely brilliant. And, um, you know, it's it's something. It's not going to change things overnight, but it's symbolic. But then, as time has gone by, I've come to realise it's true. It's it, symbolism is like one tiny grain of a whole beach of sand and whole sandy beach. And you know what I mean. Um, but it's tiny. In it's minuscule compared to the centuries of racism. It's completely like it's just not good enough um it's it's shallow it's not enough it's not what the people want it's you know growing up in a society of as an ethnic minority and especially to be a black person and it doesn't matter whether you live in the west or in western society or not you know western society or not it's completely down to the fact that people are being treated differently because of the colour of their skin. They're not being measured by the um, quality of their content or their intellect of what they bring to the table. It's it's that judgement of the minute you walk into the room, just like, oh. And it's an issue within all societies and it's just something that shouldn't exist anymore. And I can see the pain, I can see the hurt and you can see um the appropriation and i've had discussions with people um th- that don't understand cultural appropriation and I, I if i'm getting exhausted from it 
then I can't even imagine what it must be like to face that on a like a lifetime scale and to have that passed down generation by generation it's absolutely exhausting to convince someone who can't see past their privilege who can't see past their own experience and will just keep arguing as if like admitting that appropriation and admitting that racism exists is taking away something from them no it's not you can be someone that hasn't faced a struggle and still be able to empathize you can still um take a look around and think well if actually a lot of people are crying out in pain then surely that means this is happening i need to do my research i need to understand why i need to read i need to there's youtube like if i can find a youtube video on how to you know fix the steering wheel of my car i could do the same thing for finding out what white privilege is i can find and i can find out just exactly how long um and how historically how black people have been treated absolutely unfairly and i think what really gets me is the ignorance um and i'm it's i'm not even just saying it's the ignorance of white people i think this is a culturally there is a massive divide between people that actively research and understand and those that can just continue life in that ignorance and and that ignorant bubble because it's safe and it's what they know and it's it's a nice place to live but but it's not it just means you don't know enough and I think what breaks my heart is that once you're in a place of privilege and if you don't have to see the struggle and it doesn't affect your everyday life then you can just keep living and it just doesn't sit right in my heart when there's so much pain there's so much struggling there's people dying and this black lives matter movement um it's a result of recent multiple deaths during the pandemic but people were dying before i i I get it it's just it's sad that it takes dead bodies it it takes innocent lives for people to realize that it's gone too far and I think if you look back historically you'll see an entire pathway paved um, with bodies of innocent people that have had to lose their life for a struggle and then they're not going to be able to reap the rewards of and they're not going to be able to see the progression because we have progressed you know we live in a society where um, you know segregation is frowned upon racism is frowned upon people can of course they can speak up for themselves but there's still so much to go and I get it this is I do think this is a powerful moment in time this is going to go down in history this time this moment but I'm very interested to see where it will go and what long-term change and what positive change this movement will have but I guess we shall see I'm a spoken word artist, um, teacher of French business studies and economics in South East London. And I'm giving you a kind of overview, I guess, from my opinion of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and kind of what I've been observing and um, 
uh, understanding as well because I think this is a, a movement that no one's got right you know we're, we're going about it in the best way that we know right now and we're having a reactive approach to kind of such ignorance and uh, such such anger across the world um, I think it's really good that the pandemic hasn't taken um, all of our attention and I say that without acknowledging how uh, you know the severity of the uh, the pandemic um, but as we know the pandemic isn't overtly racist you know it's not a situation where the pandemic has purposely chosen um, you know more so of a you know racial brutality towards the the BAME community uh, but what we do know is that uh, the pandemic has shown a spotlight on the racial disparity but also the social economic disparity between you know those that can seek medical advice and be able to find themselves with ventilators and being able to not be in positions where they can affect household members because they live in generational households we're finding that again in the black community more so than the other communities but what we are finding right now with the black lives matter movement forgive is uh, this is a direct uh, kind of linear effect to racism and we do have the resources, we do have the people, we do have the voice, we do have the platform to see affirmative action, affirmative change rather than we sit back and say well this has highlighted a few things, it's highlighted this for 400 years, the difference is we're still arguing about and debating about and deliberating about, sorry, deliberating about the scenario that we're in in 2020 um, the, pro the protests have been really um peaceful and i say peaceful with with hesitation because there's been so many avenues where the media have tried to really take that away from what the people are trying to protest peacefully about you know we've got uh you know far right wing um i say parties that are trying to really taint the image of this peaceful protest because of certain individuals and minorities that may have acted in a in a kind of way that wasn't uh, the kind of agenda from the black lives matter from the black lives matters movement however um, I think it's fair to say that we've had subtle racism, microaggressions, and we've been very complacent for so long that dare us act, uh, act out of character should uh, really be uh, acknowledged but also um, be empathised with. Um, I think moving forward, this has shown that we don't have enough people in the boardrooms, we don't have enough airtime, we don't have enough media retention. If we do, it shouldn't just be because now we're in a pandemic, you know, this is the height of a, of a political protest for 2020, and therefore, you know, the black pound is being spent wisely by, by kind of media, um, say, moguls, because they don't want to be seen as racist if they don't have airtime um, air coverage on this particular protest. But this is something that's going to continue for months, for weeks, for years, moving forward. We need to unpick a lot of systemic racism taking place in the UK, in the US, internationally, and really break down and make a lot of people feel very uncomfortable with how structures have been created over time, how people have been conditioned to think, to feel, to act, to kind of project their own uh, their own voice and maybe have a hierarchy where they sit between them and somebody else. And we need to really take that back. And it's been really pleasing that it hasn't just been black lives matter movement uh, made by and for by black people this has been a movement that has been uh, addressed and been recognized uh, holistically uh, by many different races and that says a lot about the commonality of knowing that something uh, such as this you know such as overtly police brutality and overtly racism in the workplace discrimination lack of opportunities lack of or racial bias you know all of these have a contributing factor towards what we're protesting for now. And I think it's really important that 
we continue to make those gains and those marginal gains and we're able to be unapologetic in the way that we're coming across right now because we've had to be on the suppressing kind of side um, of society for so many years and have everybody tell us what to do, how to act, what to say, what to wear, how to be. And right now we're just being ourselves in an environment that needs to hear us um, in order to understand what they need to do next. And it shouldn't be we are doing all the kind of groundwork and again it's the the structures built up where it's the you know the white privilege are making all the you know the kind of high-end decisions and a high profile we need to be you know at the table rather than just simply on the menu um so i think that's highlighted a lot uh, for the past few weeks i think like i've mentioned previously to friends we've gone from a brexit scenario where we're looking at you know migration and we're kind of having this idea of how do we limit migration how do we advance economic growth how do we kind of control the gdp per capita then we're going into a pandemic where it's highlighted social disparity and where we need to have resources being allocated in an effective way and if we do say that have we got enough resources domestically are we always relying on our international supply chain why is that broken down where's our bond where's our trust with our different economies where's our productivity in the workplace taking place have we have we moved into the continent technological sector far too quick and we've got rid of some of our manufacturing plants and hence why PPE was at a scarcity and now we're moving into a Black Lives Matter protest where we are arguing something that our ancestors and and many people that have blessed the ground that we walked on and we walk on now have been fighting for and it's annoying that they've been reaping but haven't been rewarded by change and by political action and affirmative action so here we are in 2020 repeating itself repeating history um and not in a good way you know you know we're repeating the same narrative and that's pretty annoying actually seeing the same narrative finding so many uh, dated resources and dated um kind of uh, activists that have been saying the same thing that we're having to say in 2020 so I think it's really important to keep that in mind that this isn't just a, a kind of one-time 2020 edition, June edition. This is something that has been uh, historically a problem, historically a burden, historically a disparity. And it's only now, hopefully, with the right people, the media courage, sorry, the media coverage and the generation that we are in, we are not just talkers anymore, but we are making that affirmative action to make equality simply a normality. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Remember to go to our website, www.canttouchmycrown.com. We are now on all major streaming services. Thank you and make sure to check out our other episodes.